Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilabscbc.org. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the live streaming service of Somerville Community Baptist Church. You know, as I was just uh, looking at uh, Facebook and YouTube while Pastor Taryn was reading the scripture, uh, we have about like 45 people, or 45 family or individual, I should say. So the numbers are growing, really uplifts our spirit. Well, those who are in the Facebook and YouTube, can we just greet one another by saying a hello or peace be upon you? Whatever that, you know, is uh, neutral to you, just greet one another. And you guys are as well here in the sanctuary. Just peace be upon you. Peace be with you. Peace be upon you. Well, I'm glad you are here through this online streaming. You know, I believe that God made you to be stay tuned in this service and this time through this message. There is no coincidence when it comes to God's providence. Amen? There is nothing that just happened for no reason. No, you're here, you stay tuned because God wants to specifically tell you a lesson today. And I believe that is about prayer. Today we begin our second summer series that I entitled, Jesus the Master Storyteller. Can you say that with me? Jesus the Master Storyteller. You know, one thing I've learned after years of speaking and preaching is that the best way to make a point is to tell a story. Would you agree? That's the very best way and the easiest way because people love stories and people remember stories. Stories makes the abstract concrete and it also makes what is hard to understand and easy to picture. I can either tell you that God provides with all different scripture only, or I can just tell you the story of my life. The moment I landed here in this nation, and God never stopped providing. And then, you know, after I went through my seminary and started serving this church, and now I started my doctor, I became a citizen, and, and everything that God provides, I can tell you that God protects with all different scriptures only, or I can tell you a story of my wife about two years ago when we found out that she was pregnant on the grace at the time. And then that's when she started her second doctorate. That's when she started teaching at Emerson, perhaps the most stressful time. But God protected both my wife and my baby. Story is powerful. People love stories and people remember stories. And that is why Jesus Christ was the master storyteller. You know, the Gospels are filled with his stories, which the Bible calls parable. Heard about the parables? A parable is a simple story with a point. Okay, A parable is a simple story which communicates a deeper level of meaning and truth. The parables of disciples, parables of Jesus were usually taken from day to day, everyday life in Israel, but not always, you know, realistic. Remember the parable of this guy who owned 10,000 talents? You know how much 10,000 talents is in our, um, you know, country, in our currency right now? It's about $6 billion. 
That doesn't make any sense. How about this prodigal son, this younger son who was asking for his share of inheritance before his father died? That didn't happen. That didn't happen in first century Israel. But God made those exaggerations through Jesus Christ to teach the story. To teach the story with a deeper meaning. To illustrate the kingdom of God. To teach the disciple or follower of Jesus Christ what it means to be living as a kingdom man and kingdom woman. Now, also the parable is, I believe, a cryptic story. Jesus used that a lot. And here's the reason why. Because until that he revealed the fullness of his divinity, you know, he was a human being. So he was always being um, in, in danger of accused or being attacked or being plotted by these authorities, Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus wanted to make this point clearly while his opponents not be able to understand the story. That's why Jesus likes to use those parables. Well, we're going to actually starting to study per, um, one parable per week for next four weeks. For this series, we're not going to actually tackle and also dive in the famous parables. You know, parables like the talents, parables like four soils, parables like, you know, prodigal son, parables like bride and groom. No, we're going to actually tackle least or less favorite, less common or less famous parables. Perhaps you haven't heard about it. Perhaps you heard it, you forgot, and you probably haven't studied that much. So having all said that, I want you to just have your spirit ready to dive into our first parable that I entitled The Persistent Widow. Persistent Widow. Now, this story and parable is about prayer. Let me ask you as I begin this my message, how's your prayer life been? I'm sure this all this COVID-19, this pandemic crisis or epidemic crisis, your prayer life probably has been more better side. But before, while well, everything's were everything was going well, you know, your families are going well, you're healthy, you've got a job, you have a car, you have a house, you have enough money on your bank account. If you're honest with me, I'm sure that your prayer life wasn't that as great as you wish to be, right? There's not much of the zeal. There's not much of passion when you pray. A lot of times prayer, life is going to be mechanical or ritual. And if you still find your prayer life that is boring, that is dual, or that is mechanical or routine, ritual for you, I'm sure we can learn a lot from this passage. You know, as I was studying this passage, um, this parable of persistent widow, it really changed or reassured or recalibrate my prayer's perspective. And also, sure, it help you to recalibrate your perspective about prayers here in America. So I'm excited. So having all said that, let's dive in. For the next four weeks, the way we study this parable is the two parts. The first part is what it means to those heard it first. That means pretty much setting the context for you. And then I'm going to talk about what it means to us now. All right. So Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, I want to stop here. 
Let me just give you a tip to study the parables, okay? Most of the time, if not always, you know, when Jesus Christ, right before he tells a story that is parable, he always set the context. He always tried to make a point before, or there is a certain thing that happened, and Jesus Christ tells the story or parable to teach the lesson based on that circumstances. Okay, so it's always, always important that you pay attention to it before the parable so that you know what that parable is about. And we know it's clear here from the verse 1, this parable is about what? To teach his disciples to pray always and not give up. Do not lose one's heart. In other words, pray persistently. Pray persistently. Now, how many times have you heard about the persistent prayer? I heard it. You know, back in my hometown, oh, there was a huge movement of persistent prayer. You know, I had a conversation, just brief dialogue with the states before the worship, and how South Korean churches are having this every morning, four or five o'clock prayer. Their prayer life is so tough. I'm sure some Africans and some, you know, Haitians, or some South Americans, you can, you know what I'm talking about. And some here in our Americans too. Some of the denomination churches and their Christians and their prayer is so tough. It's like you are going on a war. You know, while the, some other countries, their prayer is like, oh, it's comforting. You know, I've just experienced God's presence, have this journaling or dialogue with Him. If your prayer life was that way, if your prayer life is just, you know what, I'll talk to God day to day, my ritual, kind of mechanical way. This parable, I'm sure it will change your perspective, mindset, and understanding about prayer. So what is this parable about? And verse 2 says this. Uh, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what People thought in verse 3, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. As I said, this parable is about prayer. It's not about consistent prayer for what you want to get. No, this prayer is set the context in previous verse, in previous chapter, chapter 17, where Jesus Christ is talking about his first came and until his second coming. And how this evil spirit is going to increase and rise. How you as children of God, how you as a disciple of Jesus Christ are going to suffer deeply. That's why Jesus Christ teaches this parable. You have to have gut. You have to have this strong mindset. You have to have this kind of warrior perspective when it comes to prayer. Now, let me just back up and then tell you that there are about 30 different parables. You know that? About 30 different parables about over four different Gospels. But you can kind of um, make this two big group. The one group, the parable, is called comparing parable. While the other one is contrasting parable. Okay? Two groups. That's it. The one is comparing. Jesus Christ has shared this story, telling that if you see this, what's happening. For example, the, the prodigal son Thinking about it, how, how father was doing as the second son and the first son was all rebellious. That's our father comparing the story. And this parable is what I call contrasting. 
Oh, if this ruthless or unrighteous judge can do it, how much more? Now, we see that in certain towns there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. When Jesus Christ's disciples start hearing this parable, from that phrase, I know they knew all about corrupt judges. Historians tell us that the judges in Jerusalem were more often called the robber judges. And there is also a story of the Talmud, that's a wisdom story for the children and Jewish culture. There was this unrighteous judge who can make all this justice based on money or based on a pot of roast beef. When, he, when they start hearing about this unjust judge, unrighteous judge, they knew exactly, they could relate to all oh, those who are appointed by this Roman Empire. Those who just care for money. Those who just care for the power. So if you want justice to those unrighteous judges, you better be ready to pay for it. That's how it works. But in the Bible, there is a widow constantly coming to just unjust judges, unrighteous judges, and pleading and pleading that grant me justice against my adversary. From the history of the Bible, you know there are two groups. Those who are always poorest, those who are always helpless and innocent. And they are widows and orphans. That's why according to the Jewish law, you know, if it's a righteous judge, they should listen. They should make this priority of this widow and orphans and resolve their issues. And this unrighteous judge, he didn't bother it. He didn't care because she did not have any money to bribe him. But here's the thing. She never gave up and kept coming and coming and coming and pleading to this unrighteous judge. Now, verse 4 and 5 says this. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that. She gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Wow, that's a strong term. In Greek, if you translate literally, um, so that she won't eventually come and punch my face. That's exactly what it says here. I mean, think about that. You know, she is ordinary Israel woman who's never allowed to enter the court since the courts were the providence of man. Perhaps, usually, the related male, that is husband, son, or the friend, would represent this woman. But apparently, she did not have anyone. She had no one to represent her, nor does she have money to bribe him. And this widow is complete helpless. This widow is complete powerless. But look at this. Yet her persistence and refusal to give up makes judges life miserable or wear him down and therefore he grants her request just to get rid of her. Now listen to this carefully because if you think this at kind of a surface level, oh, isn't that how God works? You know, God doesn't care for us unless we just bother him and keep nagging on him and just keep pleading him. And finally he said, that's enough. Shut up. And I will just listen to you because you will wear me down. 
No, as I said, this parable is contrasting parable. That's not what Jesus Christ says here. No, and verse 7 says this, that exactly what Jesus Christ wants us to, or what disciples to hear. Verse 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You see, the widow is hopeless situation. She is a woman in a man's world. She is a woman without money. She is a woman without power. She is a woman without man to help her case. Yet this woman gets exactly what she wants from him, unrighteous just because of her persistence. Get this. Get this. Jesus' point is this. If this woman got what she wanted through her persistence, how much more will our righteous Father, how much more our loving and caring Father will, res- will respond to your persistent prayer during these difficult times? Okay, that's the story. All right, how does that story apply to today in our lives? As I said, this is a prayer, and I'm sure the prayer is mystery to many of you. Perhaps someone thinks that prayer and asking God's help, it's just wasting time. It's better to do some constructive work rather than asking this invisible figure. While some people think that prayer is primarily their personal discipline. Oh, I pray in the morning, I pray in the night, and I pray routinely, that's pretty much it. Why other people think that prayer is something that only do as a last result when everything else doesn't work. Well, some people also see the prayer more verbal journaling, as I said. Be careful of this, because a lot of Americans, a lot of people are kind of falling into this sin and this, this group here. Many people think the prayer is just journaling. Oh, I'll talk to God. I experience the presence of God. You know what? He's great. Lord, this is what I did today. And there was not much of expectation. There was not much of expectation of what God is going to do in your life. How God is going to bless you in your life. You know, almost, almost every single Christian wonder how something as important as prayer can often be so difficult. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you really think that your prayer life, you thought about, oh, it's a difficult I don't know how to do that. I don't know how God responds, when he's going to respond. And it's just routine work. It, I feel like, I feel like, even I felt like before, there are times when I cry out, when I pray, feel like I was just shouting out in the air. God didn't respond, didn't seem to respond to me. It's so much work. That's a prayer life. But you know what? Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. The farther he goes in his ministry, the more he prays. His disciples asked him to teach them to pray, even though he, they were in the culture, they were born and grew up and raised by the culture that prayer was so common upon their life. And I believe there is a reason why, because they saw that Jesus Christ's prayer was different. Jesus Christ's prayer was just much more powerful. There is something that is different. And Jesus Christ, using this parable, he wanted to teach the disciple. Also, he wanted to teach you about the prayer life that perhaps you 
are missing it. You have been missing it. I believe the first lesson is this. The greater your needs are, the better your prayer become. Just say that with me. The greater, the greater your needs are, the better your prayer become. Why was widow willing to make the fool of herself? Think about that. Why did she return day after day in the court while that only the mans are allowed? Think about that. How much of this ridiculous and shame she had to go through to be able to enter into that court. To see this judge who's unrighteous, greedy, unjust, could care less about this poor widow. What motivated her to keep asking? Simple answer is this. Because she was desperate. That's it. She was desperate because she had no other place to go and ask for her. Because if this could not work out, she would be upon the mercies of her enemy. So out of desperation... Out of desperating heart, she forgot about her pride. She forgot about her self-esteem. She forgot about what this culture sees her, what this society sees her. She forgot about everything. And she just went straight right into plead to this unrighteous judge. You know, I think that Jesus Christ is saying to you and me, the real prayer requires the same kind of attitude. How much desperation in your prayers right now. Think about that. When you pray, are you really praying the same way that Jesus Christ is praying on the Garden of Gethsemane? Are you praying that the same way that the, the you know, our prophet Isaiah just praying that, that to send the fire upon this altar? We got to have a same attitude when we pray to God. I've got to pray because God is my only hope. If he doesn't get involved in my life, I might as well just over. Finish my life as well. Let me ask you a question. When was your prayer life that you feel like, oh, it was best in prayer life in my life? That's when you are desperate. Would you agree? Your kids were sick or you are suffering through a certain, you know, disease or, you know, there is no money left on your bank account. You lost your job. Whatever the reason that... There are things that seem too big that you cannot handle with your own hands, with your own might, with your own knowledge. You just can't. You are so desperate. You knew that you needed God's help. And you prayed more and harder than you ever had before. Right? So, why don't we pray, why don't we pray like that? Let me ask this question. Why is now our prayer life is always with this desperate heart. When we pray, our tears are come down of our eyes. When we pray, that we feel like our sweating become like blood. Because Jesus Christ is saying that. When you pray every single time, you pray like that. You don't use this prayer as entertaining purpose. You don't just use prayer as just speaking to me. No, I have given you this power, the weapon that is prayer, that is far more powerful, that is far greater than you ever imagined. Use that with the right purpose. Use that with the right feet. Pray with a desperation. Why we don't pray with a desperating heart all the time? You know, a few years ago, there was a visit. Um, the visitor actually visited our church during our fellowship hours, which we can have right now. 
fellowship hours, you know, I had this conversation with this new visitor. And, you know, as kind of a um, habit of as a pastor, I always said to the end of the conversation, is there anything that I can pray for you? And his answer was just surprised me at that time. He, he told me this, well, pastor, I don't know, because my life is going well. You know, I've got my job, got my business, my kids are growing well, nobody's sick, and, you know, our families are doing well. So I don't really, of course, he didn't say that, I don't really need your prayer, but he said that, I don't know. Isn't that how we used to feel, how we're still feeling right now? The reason that we don't pray with this hard effort, the reason that we don't pray desperately, because in deep inside of our heart, we feel like, you know what? We don't really need God's help. We don't really need God's help. We feel like we're lukewarm Christian. You know, we're good as long as everything is provided. Unless there's something is wrong, I'm not going to pray. No. Think about that, how our nation, America, our prayer life is, has been always lukewarm. It's not hot. It's not cold. It's just always in kind of middle. Why is that? I believe deep inside of our heart that we don't really feel that we need that deep prayer, that we don't really feel that we are needy people. We're good. Really? Think about that. Are you healthy? Oh, it could just take next second to take your health away. I mean, you're safe? Hey, just take next second. You cured and you listened to all this news. What's happening? Did they ever expect that that happened? Car accident, heart attack, and then all this COVID-19 infection? No. That's who we are. That's our life. A lot of Americans, I feel like we're numbing. We're numbing our deep inside of our needing heart by this temporal pleasure. That's why we're in high record high right now. People are being addicted with the drug, addicted with this alcohol. And addicted with all these pharmaceuticals. Also addicted with those pornographies and everything and shopping. Why? Because instead of realizing their deep needs that is in deep inside of their heart, they're trying to kind of numbing his life. You know, I'm good. I'm good. Because I have this temporal pleasure. No. Jesus Christ is telling you right now, if your prayer life is like this, kind of warm Christian prayer life, He's warning you. He's urging us to go back to what he said initially and originally. Desperating heart is a key element when you come to pray to the Lord. Think about this. Um, you heard about this Billy Graham's crusade movement, right? It was huge in the beginning, end of, actually the beginning of 20th century, 1900, 40, 50. Billy Graham's, I mean, he did an amazing job. I had no argument that he was used by God greatly, dearly until he went to heaven. But this is the one thing that I was reading his uh, biography before. And whenever that he planned with his leadership for this crusade movement, crusade movement in different countries, he always makes sure to send out a group of people to prepare for that conference or prepare for that worship at least six months in advance or even a year in advance. And they called that group the prayer group. You see that? They send those people in advance six months or a year and have them, while they're preparing all this, have them mainly, their center of their job is praying for 
the crusade worship or crusade conference. Why is that? Even as the Billy Graham, who is a great speaker, great preacher, who is a spirit-filled man, he deeply realized to be able to reach out the whole world, to be able to reach out to the people that, is, um, that hasn't heard about Jesus Christ, I can't do it. No, I need God's help. Out of the desperation, that's why he sent out the prayer team. That's why he prayed like no one else. How's your prayer life? Your life is good. You're hearing from our prayer chain, even hearing from our brothers and sisters. They never expect to lose their brother. They never expect to lose their sister. They never expect to lose their mother and father. Perhaps we would never expect to have this COVID-19, right? How many of you ever expect that? That's the life. That's the world that we are living right now. We need the prayer with a desperating heart. When it's prayer like you are, this is a prayer that I will take my life. We haven't done that so many years. This is a time that we go back to that first real original message of the prayer. Whether deeper down in your heart, a desperate prayer, persistent prayer. The second point I believe that Jesus Christ is making through this parable is this. Persistence in prayer is evidence of our faith. Would you say that with me? Persistence in prayer is evidence of our faith. You know, faith is like a muscle. It only grows when we use it. And that's why I believe that God responds to aggressive and persistent prayer. The point of the story is that God doesn't want us to give up. Right? God doesn't want us to give up. God wants us to persistently pray to the Lord. A lot of people are saying this. You know what? I pray this. I pray this. I feel like I've never got answer. This is wrong. According to this parable, God always answers. Okay? Listen to this. God always answers every single time of your prayers. When you pray first time, God answers. When you pray second time, God answers. When you pray a million times, God answers. At each individual times. The answer may not the one that you wanted to see or you wanted to hear. You know, God's answer is there are no's, there are yeses, and they're also slow down. They're also grow. You see, God answers every single time of your prayers. We just don't want to accept that all oh, is that answer. Is that what God expecting through my prayer? But God answers every single time prayers. And why God wants to put it in the persistent prayer? Because through this persistent prayer, as we are experiencing the urgency of this persistent prayer, our faith is going to grow. Okay? Our perspective is going to be changed. About five years ago, I feel like it's a long time, and you heard about um, me saying that I had this visa status issue, and you know, Abel, what you're talking, what I'm talking about. If you came as an international student or a foreigner, uh, you at least experienced once in your life that you had trouble with this, you know, immigration. Uh, make a long story short, you know, I was, after I graduated my seminary, I was changing my status into OPT. That allows you to work in a year, one year temporarily. Use your skill that you learn from your education. And because of my file, actually went there a day late within that 30 days of time frame. My files got rejected. But I got that notice way, way later. 
By the time I found out from the immigration, I was already out of status. But that's also the time that I already started serving this church. You have no idea. It was like a culture that I've never experienced in my life. Here is a ministry. Here's a church that God, you gave me and allow me, appoint me to serve. But on the other hand, I don't even know my status. I don't even know tomorrow. Probably go back to South Korea. I contacted probably over 20 different attorneys, attorneys, like immigration attorneys. 19 out of them said that leave the country and go back. So I asked them, how long will it take? Five months, six months? And my father, who's going to minister to the people, pastoring the church for that long time period? So you can imagine, ever since that, I was praying and praying and praying and praying. You know, as I was praying, that particular prayer request, Lord, grant me the visa status, grant me the green card. And I've noticed that as I was praying, that was for about nine months of praying time. My prayer has been changed. My prayer has been transformed. First, my prayer, grant me whatever status, Lord. I have to work here. I have to serve here. I have to do it. Start always me. I, I, I. And after I was having this consistent and persistent prayer for nine months, toward the end of that nine months of prayer time, I find myself praying, Lord, if it is your will, if it is your will, may you grant the visa status. If not, I'm still good because I can be sent to the other nation as a missionary. I can go back to even South Korea and, and start you know, a church in there. When I was having this series of the persistent prayer, I find myself, my perspective is start off of me and getting into him. That is our God. That's what's happening. That is what the persistent prayer means. That's why God doesn't answer you the way that you recognize immediately because God wants you to grow through that persistent prayer. God wants to change your perspective through that persistent prayer. God wants you to be better or better bold or better version of you so that when the time comes, God grant you that you can use that. You know, grace has been, <laughs> she's been always making mistakes, making all these troubles now. And it's just hard. Whenever I stay with her, half of days, I found myself as getting very impatient. And one of the things she wanted to do the other day was she wanted to clip her nail. Okay? And she wanted to clip her nail. And she said, Daddy, I'll do it. I can do it. Of course, she can do it. So what did I do? I took that nail clipper away. Okay? And I will give her, when she grows old enough, mature enough that she knows how to use this nail clipper. She knows the danger and upside and downside of this nail clipper. Isn't that why? Because God is just, want us to be, our prayer wants to be always holding sometimes, and God wants us to be always persistent in our prayers. You see that the Bible doesn't put any limits on what we can ask. I'm going to give you the three verses straight. Matthew 21, 22, all things you ask in prayer, believing, and you shall receive. John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Amen and amen. You know, in the Bible, prayers 
God uses prayer and it uses the words like all things, everything, whatever you wish. So I guess if our prayer is not answered, it's far more likely that we didn't ask in the right way than it is that we ask for the wrong thing. Remember, the prayer is not about asking right or wrong thing. That's okay. You can ask wrong things. You can pray that, Lord, just somehow you will just give me and hit me this, this lorry that is over $100 million. You can pray that it's okay. Because God is going to answer you with either yes, no, slow, grow. Right? Our prayer life is not about worrying about, did I pray right? Did I pray the right thing? No. I think that we should be worrying about, did I pray the right way? There's a big difference. A lot of people just consist worrying about that, you know what? I have to pray the right way. I mean, I have to pray right words. I have to pray right thing. It's not your job to determine whether that is the right thing or the wrong thing. God can even use your wrong prayer. God can even use the evil spirit to fulfill his kingdom. So it's not your job. To pray whether or not I pray for the right thing or wrong thing. What you have to care most is, did I pray right way? And according to this parable, according to this parable, the right way to pray is pray persistently. Pray and not giving up. Pray and not lose your heart. And that's why Bible often describes prayer as wrestling with God. Prayer is laboring to exhaustion. Prayer is striving or working. Great example of the biblical prayer is found in the book of Genesis. Remember the, how Abraham was pleading God to save the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? Right? And we feel like, oh, that's wrong. How you manipulate God? No. As I was studying this parable... I think that is the right way to pray. How did Abraham pray? He prayed that, Lord, if there, is a, there are 50 righteous men, would you save that city? And God said, of course. What if there are 45? I will do it. What if there are 30, 20? What if there are 10? And I will still spare that city because of the 10 people. Did you learn some lesson here? That's how we should pray. We're not just worrying about, oh, if I ask this, what God will say, don't worry about it. Persistent prayer out of caring and loving heart for yourself and others. That's what God cares and that's what God takes. Prayer of Jacob is wrestling with God, remember? And when he said that I won't let you go until you bless me. Think about prayer of Moses. He said that pleading with God for Israel and he said demanding that his own name even be erased from the book of life. That is a prayer. Prayer of Abraham. Prayer of Jacob. Prayer of. Prayer of. Moses. See that? And adding to that. Prayer of. The, the apostle James. You know how apostle James's nickname is. Uh, Connell's knee. Because he is great known. For the persistent and consistent prayer. He's been always kneeled down till his knee was hardened like the one Kanos. That's what I learned from this passage. That's what I hope that you learn from this passage. 
That is a true meaning of prayer. Sure, prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is asking, asking God for his comfort. That's great. But in this particular parable, in Jesus Christ, what he wants us to pray and how he wants us to pray, the persistent prayer. Taking the prayer as, as if you're taking life. When you pray, pray like you really mean it. Because through the prayer, not only God is going to listen to your prayer, God will do a whole lot, whole a lot more than that. God is going to change who you are. God is going to transform your life. God is going to change your perspective through the prayer. So don't ever, ever limit your prayer. Oh, what if God is not going to listen? What if God is not going to answer? Perhaps this is not his will. It's not your job to determine whether that is his will or not. No, I mean, you can be probably as close as you are reading and pray with the word of God. But your job is praying persistently and let the God deal with the rest. Brothers and sisters, how's your prayer life? What are you struggling right now? Feel like you've been praying in days and weeks and months and years? Feel like you haven't heard any answer? I want you to assure that you've already got the answer. Either grow or slow or wait. Or perhaps no. And pastor, how do I know when I really stop the prayer that God is going to help me that is no, clearly. We can learn from the Apostle Paul's example, right? Apostle Paul was struggling because of the thorn in his flesh, his own suffering. He prayed three times and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I made you strong during that weakness. So as you are praying, there will be a time that God will clearly impress you or tell you that this is no. But let God Handle that no for you. Don't ever determine that, oh, you know what? This is not God's will. No. Let God deal with that. If your life is very, if your prayer life is so mechanic and ritualistic, I hope that you'll find great lesson from this passage, this parable. Did you see the passion from this widow? Did you see the passion that, you know what, I'm not going to take care. I'm not going to think of anything else. I'm just going to go straight to the court. I don't care about this culture. I don't care about this social aspect or norm. I'm just going to go and get and plead what I want. That's the true meaning of prayer. we got to have this persistency in your prayer life. I hope you learned that. I hope your prayer life is going to be start transforming because of this passage. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, there are times that we perhaps misunderstood or take a less values or weights on true meaning and power of prayers. Feel like the, we haven't really used this total power and total meaning or total usage of the prayer that you allow us. Lord, may you allow us to be persistent in our prayer. May we really always passionate and desperate as we are praying to you. Lord, as we continue to pray, may you also transform and change the life and perspective and even identity of our life. Times are difficult right now, Lord. It's an unprecedented time, Lord. Everybody's suffering, Lord. And I believe there is no greater words of encouragement for them to pray, pray, and pray persistently. And let God deal with the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.